Hey, you are listening to The Workplace Leader. This is the podcast where we go behind the scenes of corporate real estate, talking to industry experts about how they shape the next generation workplace. Sabine M. And in today's episode, I'm speaking with Tracy Hawkins. Tracy is Vice President of Real Estate and Workplace and Remote Experience at Twitter. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm with Tracy Hawkins from Twitter. And I'm quite excited about that because she has a really interesting job title that includes remote experience. So I'm really curious and I'm just actually going to ask her herself what her role entails and is and how she came to to there. What is your professional background, Tracy? Hi, thank you for having me today. Yes, my name is Tracy Hawkins. I'm VP of Real Estate and Workplace and remote experience is quite a mouthful um, at Twitter. And interesting, actually, in the last week or so, we've actually had a slight reorg, and I now oversee what is called work transformation. So part of work transformation is our real estate side of things. So, you know, the leasing and planning, design and construction, workplace operations. I also have the food program here at Twitter and sustainability too. And audiovisual, actually. And then we will have a new team within that, which if you are excited about the future of work and you're a person that is on the cutting edge and knows all the new things that are coming along, we are going to be recruiting for that soon. So it will be called Future of Work Innovation. And that is going to be centered around helping us identify and prepare for all the next emerging global trends as it comes to workspace and working and how we all work moving forward. So that's really my role now. I've been at Twitter for eight years. Wow, quite a lifetime in tech. And I started at Twitter in our Dublin office, actually, and then moved over here in 2014. And then when I was actually out on maternity leave, it's actually a really nice story. I was out on maternity leave and that's when I got promoted to leading the real estate and workplace team. And I've been doing that role ever since. Before that, most notably, I was at Yahoo for six or seven years with experience both in-house, but also working as a service provider on the facilities operations side of things. And, you know, been a few other places, my career, I basically started on a reception desk, studied in the evenings, all things facilities management, kind of worked my way up, made my way through. And here I am leading work transformation at Twitter. So best job, not that I'm biased or anything, but, you know, I love working here. Yeah, actually, I did see some of your job postings as well that you had in parallel, which was really fun to see someone to look after real estate workplaces and someone to look after remote experience. So it's really great to see that you treat those at Twitter equally. And I think as well, your story also showcases how open and diverse and inclusive Twitter is. And I think even before pandemic, you were very open to remote working. A lot of companies are afraid of losing culture by allowing that. How are you handling it? Why are you believing in that as a system to work, kind of? I should give you some background, really. So um, 
up until 2020, um, we were actually part, the real estate and workplace team was part of the finance organization, which is very common in, in a lot of organizations. And I'd say 18 months before the pandemic really hit the US, we were already talking about being more diverse, being in more countries around the world, not being so US centered. So it was really a big initiative for us already to enable more people around the work the world to work for Twitter to allow us to keep people who, you know, they want to move around in their lives and they may want to go and live somewhere that maybe there's family or they're supporting a family member, but we might not have an office there. And we wanted to build our remote contingency of workers because we knew more and more people wanted to work from home. And that's another thing, you know, when we think about the remote experience, as we call it, it's actually a word we're trying not to use at Twitter because remote really makes it sound like, you know, there's a center of gravity somewhere and you're off on Mars and like nothing to do with the main activity that's going on. So we're trying to be really careful and say, you know, work from home and then work from both if you decide to do hybrid and then work from the office. So it was really a path that we were already going down. And I think we were really, we were thinking ahead but nobody could have seen, you know, what was coming to us in 2020. But I was really glad that we moved to the people team at the start of 2020 because we were really aligned with them around this being more diverse, supporting having folks around the world and looking at that from a real estate point of view, but also supporting the remote experience um, because it's important to us that that experience is just as good and feels just as equal as being in an office and who better to lead that than the real estate team who have been all about experiences in the offices and creating these moments in the offices and understanding what are how do people use our offices and how do we ensure that folks who work from home have an equal access to like the cultural moments or you know meaningful work or career and so being part of the people team enabled us to be very linked up with that career aspect and the HR focused aspect but also the experience in the office and thinking through the problems and challenges around how do we make sure that folks who aren't in the room feel just as part of the conversation and so we've been coming up with a few ways to make sure that they do feel part of the conversation. Which kind of provokes my follow-on question. What does the workplace environment look like now at Twitter? So what's the size of like the real estate portfolio? How much big is the portion you still have uh, in terms of offices? And how are you supporting that remote workplace or whatever better term you have for it? Sure, sure. So we have 40 plus locations around the world. We're a couple of million square feet. We uh, go from, you know, all sizes. We have a campus here in San Francisco through to smaller serviced office spaces, which are kind of more toe in the water type locations. And so when we think about before the pandemic, our offices were very much set up in terms of neighborhoods. And so you'd have team neighborhoods, They'd have their own kind of soft seating social areas. And then we had more central kind of destination type areas, if you will. So, for example, you know, cafe areas and coffee shop type spaces and library spaces if people want to do quiet work. And the way that we, we're approaching how our spaces will look moving forward, and we still really are only open to folks who really need to come into the office. So we're not fully, fully open yet. But the way we've been planning 
how our offices will look is number one, talk to the employees and understand, you know, when, how much are they planning to come in? And so our employees have told us that about 80% of them plan to be in two to three days a week. So that's still a good amount of people and they still want to come in, which is a compliment about our spaces, I want to say, because they really love coming in and we want to make them feel like, you know, very much immersed in the brand and, and really understand what they want to use them for. And it's been interesting, you know, we spoke to our employees, we did multiple pulse surveys as well throughout the last few years to understand kind of why do they come into the office? Why do they hire the office? You know, why do they come in? And it's all different reasons. You know, you would assume that maybe they want to come in because they want to be social. And when they stay at home, they want to focus. But it actually really um, varies based on person to person. You know, some people are finding it really, really hard to actually separate home and work life. So they actually see the office as the focus space and the space they go to to really think about work and focus on what they need to do. Others, it's more socializing and just seeing other people and having the human contact and seeing their colleagues and getting energy from them, you know. And then for other people, it's collaboration. So it's doing a different type of work where they want to collaborate. So through our pulse surveys, we really got to understand that there are lots of different use cases. And the biggest frustration for folks in the past has been being tied down to that one desk maybe next to the hallway that you don't like, or the colleague who's always on the phone when you're trying to focus. And so how we're thinking about it moving forward is we're going to have zones in our offices, and our employees are going to be able to book them. So in the morning, they might want to do something where they're focusing. So they book a desk in an area, and they have a choice of the whole, you know, the whole space, but they can see the different zones, almost like, you know, you book a seat on a plane, and you can see the premium areas, the economy areas, like they know they can see the focus areas, the social collaboration. And so come in the morning, they want to do some focus work, they can go in and book that. Then in the afternoon, if they want to meet with their team and do more collaborative work, they can actually go into the tool and they can go in and book a number of desks for them and their teammates and they can see who else is sat in the area. So we're really thinking about, you know, the reason why they're coming in and to make the office as flexible and supportive to them as we can. We are not doing any massive wholesale redesign of the office ripping out anything or changing the furniture or doing things like that because honestly I think it's early days anyway you know we want to see how folks come in how they use the space observe the human behaviors do more pulse surveys see what they love see what they don't like. We're going to have sensor data as well around the space so we can say, actually, you know, the social areas or the collaborative areas, they get used a lot more than the focus areas. So maybe we need to size up those areas and have less of the different areas that they're not using. And it will also allow us to understand, you know, maybe culturally we're different as well around how we use the space. Maybe we need to design them differently region to region or country to country. So for us, it's really a period of trying to set our employees up for success in terms of the space that we provide them, but also not be too rigid of saying, you know, we've designed it, this is how it is, and this is how it's always going to stay. So so that's how we're thinking. We haven't massively downsized anywhere because honestly, I think it's been interesting, you know, during the pandemic, everybody went out to work from home and it was like this huge shock of like, oh my God, now we're all going to have to adapt to work from home. Will we still be as productive? How's it going to be? And a few months in, you know, everybody was like, oh, work from the home home is the future. The office is dead. 
everybody's going to do this now. And then, you know, we got six months in and everyone was like, oh my God, I'm over this now. You know, I want to be back in the office. This is driving me crazy. My kids are here or I'm just sick of looking at the same four walls. I miss my colleagues in real life. And now I think we're back to a place of more balance where it's like, do you know what? Like working from home has shown me that I can be here and do things that work for my life. But also it's actually nice to go into have the office and use it as a tool and it can support me in some of the things I want to do that week. And it's a nice place to be able to meet clients or meet my colleagues. Don't really want to invite them into my like room, where potentially it's my bedroom where I'm like dialing into calls, you know. So I think we've got back to a place of kind of balance, but we're not going to know really until children have been vaccinated Folks feel safe to go on the tube in London or the bar here in San Francisco because that's what's been holding a lot of our employees back, even just getting to work rather than just the workspace itself. And then when we get back to that place of, you know, new normality, we'll then really be able to see how folks use the space and we'll then really know how much space we need. So we're kind of taking a pause. We took a pause through the pandemic. We haven't added that much space to our portfolio. We've done a couple of things. But we're really in that watching and waiting phase. And then we'll go from there. I really love that down to earth, pragmatic approach of being like keeping your cool and being like, okay, this has been a roller coaster fired mostly by the media and loads of consultants and people putting like the hybrid era uh, webinars out there with no real answers. Because we don't know. It's what you said. We really don't know. And even if you're asking employees, we've had intentions, they've changed because the situation's not clear completely yet. So I think it's like the best thing you can do to be like, okay, we're going to be patient. We're going to start looking at our organization and set us up to be able to read from when the data is coming in and doing these small steps and saying like, okay, not going to rip everything apart and just go with offers. And I think actually there is, I've heard of a lot of frustrations of people like, well, we can't really test because nobody can come back or can't come fully back. I actually think there is an opportunity to test in those small populations. That's way better than actually as if everybody comes in, because when you have the full office population back, places will get crowded. You won't have choice. But if you have these small sample sizes, people will really choose where they like to work. And that will tell you so much more about the workspace. It's a great opportunity. So I think you're like set up very well for the, this whole experiment. Well, I mean, the thing for us as well that we have on our side is that we continue to grow too. So we're continuing to add headcount, you know, so we don't want to get rid of space. And just pausing on the space allows us to see how folks are going to use it. Having this more agile approach where people can book desks and see what's available in advance allows them to be really able to plan out, you know, their week or their day. But yeah, honestly, I think that anybody that's saying, this is what the new workspace should look like, or this is what utilization, you know, that's like the holy grail and nobody knows, you know, so it's really a willingness to innovate and iterate on the plan that you have and listen to your people. You know, it's really going to be, I think the sensible organizations anyway, are really going to be driven by their people and what their people want to do. You know, if you force on folks, you have to be in this many days a week, or you have to be in these days a week and be really specific 
you know, it's only going to push people to go to the organizations where they have maximum flexibility, you know, so it's going to be really something people think about when they join companies and a competitive advantage for folks who offer more flexibility. Absolutely. I don't think people will, or employees will vote on having a ping pong table or something in the office, but they will cherish the flexibility and the trust that is that is put in them. And now following that, have you refined kind of workplace success metrics? So you did mention employee pulse surveys. How are you measuring if the things you're putting in place are the right things to do? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be through things like our pulse surveys. That's where we do that twice a year. And it really is a deep dive. And we have a whole section on kind of the workplace experience. So that's going to be a place where, you know, we find out a lot of information around how well it's working. I think in terms of folks coming into the office, the sensor data is really going to help us. If we see a whole load of people coming in at the start and then people stop coming in, we know we're not doing something right. Um, Our employees are very uh, forthcoming in terms of, you know, what they share in workplace tickets, um, what they share with our team. There will be a lot of touch points. And we also work very closely with the leads of each tower within the company, within each with each group. So we, we will keep a pulse on how it's going in a lot of different ways. But it's going to be important to us to be really making sure that we're checking in with the different groups to make sure that it is a success and that there isn't any new use cases or anything that we're missing. We'll continue to benchmark and keep our eyes open. I think what's been really great during this time is how open the real estate community has been around sharing ideas from the initial response to the pandemic, you know, everything health and safety related to, gosh, we don't know what the offices are going to look like. What are you doing? Here's what we're doing. And when are you going back? And what's your design going to look like? So I think that's going to be another important part, just a willingness to continue to experiment around how we, you know, approach our spaces. But For us, it all goes back to the employees. And if they're giving us feedback that they don't like what we're doing or, you know, it's something that's just not working for them, we'll have a decent trial period, obviously, because change is also difficult for people. But it's something we'll be willing to change up if we need to. Now, I feel you're kind of on the forefront when it comes to remote experience, dedicating roles to that. Do you have some lessons learned around the traps you could fall into while building for hybrid and remote work experience? I think one of the most important things to keep in mind, if you're really serious about having a hybrid or remote approach, is that if your leadership are not on board, it's not going to work. Because you need them to be able to lead by example. So what I mean by that is if your CFO is always in the office and never working from home and employees don't see that, they're not going to really believe that it's a viable option. You know, this always comes back to, are we creating a level playing field? Because that's how employees will see, you know, the remote experience as a success. Do they feel as part of the conversation and do they feel that they see leadership modeling the same behavior? Or is it that they're seeing everybody goes into the office in San Francisco that's in a leadership position and the only folks that get promoted are the people that they get to see in real life or the only people that get, you know, really good opportunities or interesting work are the folks that, you know, turn up in real life. And so I think before you roll out any work from home or hybrid approach, 
You really have to make sure that your executive level folks are on board. And the way that we did that really was by going to their direct reports and working with their teams and understanding what heartburn they may have over any element of the program, whether that's not having a dedicated desk or other elements around the office that they think, oh, you know, that's going to be really difficult for our group or things that they need access to. And I think once you sat down with those groups and understood how they can work and either given them the things they need or been honest around, you know, this is how we can be flexible. Here's the other things we can, we can offer you. That really gets your leadership on board because they want to, they want to be, you know, reassured that their teams feel that they have an environment that they can be productive in. You know, that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And that's what we're here to facilitate, you know, having all flashy spaces or saying that we have a great remote program is all well and good, but it actually has to make sure that people are productive and feel like they can do their very best work wherever they're based. So for me, it really starts with making sure that your execs are on board, that they're doing work from home, that they're showing that they work from home. And then it kind of gives everyone else the permission to do it as well and feel successful around doing it. Kind of leading on from that or adding on from that, do you see new skill sets that need to be adopted by both CRE workplace organization and like individual team leaders to make this work? One of the things that our CEO, Jack Dorsey, always talks about is having a growth mindset. And one of the things I've noticed throughout the pandemic, the voices in real estate that are doing the progressive things are the ones that are willing to have the growth mindset and think outside of what is traditional real estate. You know, really understand what is it, how is it that your business works and how do you need to support them? And those are the folks, those are the leaders who will create opportunities for their entire team. I look at my real estate and workplace team, and now they are going to be part of planning out you know, what the future of work looks like. So this now grows their opportunities and their skill sets potentially to be able to take on something that is brand new, is the cutting edge, is kind of the holy grail of what everyone's thinking about, and they get to be at the forefront of it. And, you know, this pandemic's been really awful and really a terrible thing for us all to go through. But the one opportunity that it's given real estate teams is to, number one, be out there and be um, kind of looking after their companies in terms of the response to COVID initially, but then also really being able to chart the way for the future and think about what does work look like, work across their businesses with other business groups and potentially take on other things like, you know, sustainability, as you're thinking about the future of work, you know, what should we be doing as a company? What can we do from a sustainability point of view that is the right thing? How can we be more flexible for our people? What's the best work environment that we can provide? What new benefits do we need to give to our employees to facilitate work from home? And how do we partner with the rest of the people team? and the finance teams on these different initiatives. And so there's so many ways that real estate teams can impact both their employee experience and you know how they feel about a company, but also chart the way forward for their companies and for other companies around you know, just how we approach work. And so 
I just think it's a real transformative time. It's a time for us to get beyond just talking about square footage and, you know, talking about leases, which let's be honest, our stakeholders aren't really that interested in. What they're interested in is what can we bring to the table that's going to, you know, make people more productive, make people feel happy at work. And for me, that's the combination of amazing spaces for them to use when they need to use them for the job that they're doing that day. And then how we enable them to feel that if you choose to work from home that day, it's just as effective as working in the office. And some of the things we're thinking about is, or some some of the things we're doing actually is leaning into more asynchronous work, because at the end of the day, we're a global company. It's impossible to have everybody together all at once. You know, if we think about having people in the office together, it's kind of crazy when somebody could be in London and someone else is in Singapore. So you've got to find ways for them to be able to collaborate at all hours of the day. And so asynchronous docs, you know, we use a lot more asynchronous documents at the moment. And then simple things like, you know, I'm sat in a meeting room now. I could be plugged into the meeting room system and use that system, but actually I'm using my screen on my laptop. And that's something that we'll all do. If we come into a meeting and there's four of us in the room and a couple of us on the phone or on the screen, what we'll do is we'll log in through our laptops. And so we retain that experience that we've had throughout the pandemic where we're all that equal size on the screen. You know, there's no one room where you're trying to see like, oh, is that Sally? Is that Bob? Like who's talking? You know, we use the audio system in the room. We mute our laptops, but we use the screens and then we can all see each other. And, you know, immediately the people who aren't in the room still feel equal because they're an equal size on the screen. So there's lots of little things that you can do like that. You know, if you run into somebody in the hallway and have a conversation and Bob and Sally aren't there, who should be part of that conversation, put it in an asynchronous doc and make sure that they can collaborate and put in their opinions and think about the AV that you have in your open areas as well so that if you need to plop down and have a quick conversation, you can be like, do you know what? Let's dial in Bob. You know, I know he's, he's working from home today, but let's dial him in because I'm sure this is something he would want to talk about. We have Slack. Slack has been massive. You know, we use that a lot now in place of email and in, and in place of getting together live. And there's some things that we will continue to do that we started doing in the pandemic that make us feel more um, kind of on an equal footing. So for example, we used to have full company meetings where we would film them from San Francisco, other folks would dial in. And I knew the experience because I started off in our Dublin office. So the Dublin office would all troop to their main commons area. And we'd see kind of San Francisco in the distance on the screen, couldn't really see who was talk- who was talking. But now we've decided all of those sorts of meetings we will continue to do as a kind of an online meeting where again, everyone's a little box. And, you know, if you decide to chime in or ask a question, up you pop, you know, you're not somebody on a microphone far away. So I think there's a lot of little things that we have to make sure we're very conscious of doing, because I think it will be easy to revert to old behaviors when we open the office. But when we look now at our remote employees, they're about 10% of our company. When we add up the numbers of our remote employees, I think it's 800 plus now, that's bigger than a lot of our offices. And so we really have to be intentional about how we think about working moving forward. For me, a crucial element is like that openness to the many ways these things could go and openness to think things differently, especially when it comes around meetings. As you said, with the asynchronous approach, a lot of the meetings you're sitting in and half of the content's not really for you, but you're sitting in for that one, one item you need to chip in on. So does that really need to happen? So we have a chance to reshape that 
And the other thing I'm hearing is like that humbleness of saying, I don't have the answer right now, but I'm willing to test and try until we have. And I'm going to throw a thought at you. I've read it in a study from, I believe, Forrester, that they said the one leadership skill that stood out and made the difference for them or in their research, what they found out was empathy. Would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that empathy is so important. You know, during this time, we have literally been in each other's homes virtually. We have seen the things that we've had to deal with, you know, whether it's having kids running around or whether it's just having a colleague who's having a really hard time because they work in a really small apartment. They haven't been able to see their family for a long time, you know, because maybe they live in another city or another country. It's been a really difficult time. On top of that, let's layer all the stuff that's gone on politically, all the racial you know, issues that have happened over this time. And I think everyone now should be able to understand that, you know, we're not robots coming to work. We bring all these other things that, you know, whether it's things happening in the world or with our family or pressure of trying to do work when, you know, there's other things going on. I think empathy has been what has got us us through really the past couple of years and definitely something that we have, you know, we've definitely put that at the forefront at Twitter. So when we think about, you know, we've given our employees regular days of rest. So pretty much every month we have a day of rest because it's a lot right now. There's a lot going on. In fact, next Friday, we've got a company day of rest. And just knowing that everybody is downing tools and that you don't need to check Slack for something or your email and that you can completely disconnect for a day has had a huge impact. For my own team, we do um, no meetings Fridays, which is you know the time when we can just get through that to-do list, get through the emails and go into the weekend feeling like, okay, I'm on top of this. And I don't have to worry about anything. And now I have the weekend clear to just, you know, be with my family, relax, do whatever I I need to do. We even did, you know, parents, it's been tough on parents and caregivers during this time, especially when the kids couldn't go to school. Um, And so at Twitter, we put together Camp Twitter, which we did a partnership with OutSchool, where our parents could, and caregivers could go online and find 30,000 classes some were on demand, some were live, but they knew that if they had a, a meeting or something where they had to really focus, they could, you know, find something which was learning a language or STEM subjects or arts and crafts or story time, you know, the whole gambit where they could at least, you know, find something that was educational and interesting for their child to do whilst they had to focus on work. And we've even do, done things like one thing you'll learn with Twitter is that everything relates to a bird name. So we've done, um, when there's been things happen in the world that have been stressful for different communities, we've done um, things called flock talks, where basically that community or folks who identify with that community have come and talked about just what they're dealing with, how they were feeling. And, you know, that's been good twofold. One, for them to feel like, you know, they're supported. But also, too, any employee could dial in and listen, become an ally, you know, have more education around what's being talked about. And I think that's another way of building empathy. And it's so important because we saw from our Pulse surveys and from what our employees have been doing that they're actually very productive. They've been really productive and done, you know, worked really hard, very productive, and they felt very productive during that time. But when we dig into it, they haven't liked how they've had to work because work from home has not really been 
the real reflection of work from home. If you were a remote employee before the pandemic, you weren't imprisoned in your house 24-7. You were going out for coffee. You were maybe meeting a colleague or a friend. Like you were working from different places, you know. So that has been a whole different experience too. So I think empathy, I really hope that is something that all companies keep as we move forward. I think employees do their best work when they feel like they're understood and they're seen and and they can be themselves at work. And I think being empathetic to folks' experiences and where they're coming from is a massive part of that. It's really great to hear how invested Twitter is in that and really embracing people in their humanness, in their differences and saying, well, yes, you are a resource for us, but you're a very much valued resource and we understand you're a human and you have issues that are not work that need to be addressed as well. So I love that. I wish all companies were like that. Which brings me to a wish question for you as well. If you could magically solve any workplace problem, what would it be? I guess right now it is being able to see in the future and know exactly how much space I need. That would be a wonderful thing to know. You know, space is expensive. Anything you're not using is expensive. So I would love to know. I would love to fast forward and be able to say, this is how people are going to use the space. This is how I provide the best space possible. And this is exactly how much space I need. So in that way, I'm keeping the CFO happy. I'm keeping the employees happy. You know, everyone's happy. But I do think it's going to be a period of just experimentation and not doing anything too drastic straight away. But yes, if I could solve that dilemma, I think I'd be helping out a lot of people as well. Because I think it's the question that a lot of real estate folks have on their minds, you know. Yeah. For now, I'm afraid it will remain a waiting game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But if you hear about that magic holy grail, please do let me know. I will. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of research around that holy grail. So I have a final question, which is who else should I have on the podcast? And is there something you would like to ask them? I mean, what I'm trying to do at the moment in terms of learning about future of work and keeping an open mind is actually looking outside of the real estate industry. Like we have a load, a lot of good people who are experts in real estate and are thinking similar lines, right, to what we've been talking about. But what I'm trying to do is really listen to the voices who are saying, you know, there are other, there are other avenues out there. So for example, GitLab, They've done a lot around being fully remote. I've spoken to Darren Murph a lot around their experiences and they're kind of the other end of the spectrum to Twitter. You know, they're fully remote pretty much. But there's been brilliant elements that we've been able to talk about and I've been able to get inspiration from, from just speaking to Darren. You know, will we go, everybody's fully remote? No, I don't think we will. But that's not the culture that we started with, you know. But will we kind of evolve and embrace all types of work? Definitely, that's what we're doing, you know. And so there are things that we could really um, identify with from what Darren talks about and, and we talk pretty regularly. So He's a good one to talk to if you want a different view outside of real estate. And I think any innovative leaders and people that are just thinking about the future of work. You know, I listen a lot to obviously our CEO, Jack. He was one, he was one of the first voices to say we're going to embrace remote working. And he's just an innovative thinker. You know, he's got two companies, Square, Twitter, you know, and so he's always thinking about just 
how we work, what's next in the world in general. And so he's a voice that I really value too, because he's just, he doesn't think with walls. He thinks with a growth mindset, which is something that I'm just going to try and really, really keep. And that's why I try and think beyond the real estate industry, because I never want to become blinkered in that kind of, you know, oh, this is my industry and this is how I think. I want to see what's going on everywhere. So sorry if that was a bit of a a vague answer, but I just, I really try and keep an open mind at the moment because things are changing all the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely agree. The worst thing to happen was to say now like, well, but that's the way we've always done things. So we can't change that. So yes, totally great. Thank you so much, Tracy, for taking the time. It was a, a pleasure. A lot of golden nuggets in this one. Thanks for sharing them with me and our audience. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Workplace Leader, there's more. Go visit our blog and have a look at some of the other topics we have covered. Or tune into our next episode of The Workplace Leader. Mm-hmm.